Great. Well, good morning, everybody. I feel encouraged already with all the words that has come and the sense of uh, encounter in our worship. So um, there's not a lot else I need to say. So good morning, everybody. <laughs> no. Anyway, we're looking forward to uh, being with you in March. I'm not sure whether you're aware, but the Pioneer Leadership Conference is going to be happening in this venue, March the 3rd and 4th next year. So um, we're looking to see many of you here over that weekend. Um, on the Friday night, it's a free entry. So if you can get a, get a ticket, come along and be a part of what God is doing across the nation. So I think it's the first time that the Pioneer Network has moved north. You know, we've been in the South for far too long. Uh, and uh, we've picked up some of the Southern traits that need to be shaken off and come to the North for a much more dynamic, expressive, positive encounter. So we're looking to you to stir us all up when we come together uh, next March. We've got Christy Wimber, John Wimber's uh, daughter-in-law, who's going to be ministering to uh, with us, Yinka Oyekan, who's from uh, Reading in Berkshire, as opposed to Reading in California, and uh, many others as well. So uh, thank you for being willing to host us, and we're looking forward to coming and uh, being part of this great church and this great city for those few days. Three words for you to remember. If you remember nothing else, these three words, favor, faithfulness, and fruitfulness. Favor, faithfulness, and fruitfulness. Got that? Favor, faithfulness, fruitfulness. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they replied, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And that's the question I want us to think around this morning. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Now in the context of this psalm, the people of Israel were in exile. They had been taken away to Babylon. They were not in their homeland. They were in a foreign land. In their homeland, their way of life facilitated their worship of God and their ability to sing his songs. Their weekly rhythm of work and rest and worship and gathering, their annual festivals, their pilgrimages, everything was geared to enable them to sing the songs of the Lord. But here they were in a foreign land where the ruling authorities were not in their favor, where the political system was not for them, where they couldn't practice their culture in the same way, where their laws were not the laws of the land, where they were oppressed and downtrodden. And yet, the question they had to grapple with, 
how do we still sing the song of the Lord when circumstances are not always in our favor? And that's a song, that's a word I believe that we all need to answer. Now, I'm not just talking about singing songs. You know, it was great this morning that we could sing our worship to God. You know, singing together is amazing because we get to harmonize, we get to join in with one another. There's not many places where we get to do that these days. We live in a very individualistic, fractured society and we come together and we sing songs and those of us with great voices or those of you with great voices can sing away. Those of us with terrible voices, we think we're singing great as well. Until the person next to you nudges you in the ribs and says, quieten down a little bit, you know. I'm sure that that doesn't happen here. But when I'm singing with you, I think I'm like Pavarotti. You know, my voice sounds like that to me, but probably not to my wife or the person next to me. Uh, as I, I work across different churches and uh, I get to go to different Sorts of services where we sing in different sorts of ways. Um, I enjoy this one the best. Uh, it, I went to a, a Greek Orthodox service where they just chant words the whole service and the priests face this way the whole time. So you, all you see is their back. And, you know, and it, I, I don't quite get that. Um, but when I looked at the text, it's exactly what we sing, but it's just a different style. I went to a Quaker service um, earlier this year, and um, they asked me to say a few words, and I said, well, your services are a bit like our services. You know, we allow participation from the floor. It was great to hear all the words of encouragement. They do that as well, but they just don't sing or make any noise in between times. I said, so we're a bit noisier than you, but a similar sort of spirit was taking place. I, I've been to a few even songs recently, you know, in the in the Church of England, and um, if you like 16th century choral music, it's great. I'm not talking about singing in that way. You know, there was um, a letter written to a famous worship leader saying these modern songs, they're, they're too high, too difficult to sing, too complex, no content. That was written in 1740 to Isaac Watts. But how do we sound like heaven? How do we sing the Lord's songs today? How do we create a sound from our lives that resembles God? That resembles the sound of heaven? How do we sing the Lord's song while in a foreign land? The first thing we need to know is this, and that has come out already. God is favorably disposed towards us. He likes us. He created us. We are the apple of his eye. He loves us. His favor is towards us. That's the first thing to say. That's, that's our starting point, that we understand the love of God. God who sent his son because he loved us so much to save us. His favor is towards us. And this revelation 
This understanding of that love changes our lives forever. And we, you know, we can't stand here and shake you and convince you. You need to have the penny drop, as we say, to go, he really does love me. He is favorably disposed towards me. He is good. And in the scriptures, we see God's people in exile, in foreign lands. And Romans chapter 15, Paul says this. These things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, to give us hope and encouragement. And as I read my Bible, what I see is this, is that most of the scripture was written to people who were in foreign lands. Be that God's people in Israel, in the wilderness, God's people in exile in Babylon, or God's people in the early church under Roman Empire rule. They were not often in their own land. It was not often comfortable. It was often uncomfortable. So most of the Bible is written to people like us who live in a foreign land. I've been struck over the last few months, but maybe like you have been, is looking, watching the news and seeing all of the debates and arguments and fear-mongering around whether we're in Europe or out of Europe and this party's leadership and that party's leadership and you look at North America and who you're going to vote for and, and Christians are getting all uptight and all upset. You know, I googled and looked, who, who were the Roman emperors when the early church was forming? Claudius, who was a pretty nasty piece of work. Caligula, who was even nastier. And Nero, who was an awful man. Nero's mother assassinated the Emperor Claudius by poisoning him, with in his, uh, putting poison in his food so that her son Nero could become the emperor. He took delight in feeding Christians to the lions for sport. So the early church weren't getting all uptight as to let's have a better emperor in place. Because they realized the kingdom of heaven did not come about through a political system. It comes about through the hearts and lives of ordinary men and women like you and me. The favor of the Lord is towards us. And the second thing is this. God's people lived faithful lives. There was a sense of faithfulness of God to his people in his favor, but they were faithful in a number of key areas. First of all this, I'm looking at the life of Daniel here this morning. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, verse 10. When Daniel learned that a decree had been published against people praying to anyone else but the, uh, the king, the emperor, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem and three times a day he got on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. God's people living in a foreign land, were faithful in their prayer, in their prayers, in their prayer life. We may feel powerless, but we can pray. You know, John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. When we pray, heaven touches earth. We, we pull back a little bit more of the veil. Our persistence in prayer 
doesn't necessarily change God, but it shapes us. We change. We gain perspective. We gain understanding. In prayer, we find intimacy. In prayer, we are reminded of our priorities. Being alone with God forces the busyness to find its victim somewhere else. Every one of us has our direct access to God. We don't need to go through someone else or something else. Each one of us. And God's people in a foreign land, like Daniel here, prayed. They sought the face of the Lord. He was faithful in praying. Secondly, Daniel was not only faithful in his praying, but he was faithful in his purity. In Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile himself. Everyone else was eating fine food and fine wine. He said, no, I, we want vegetables and water. That's, that's e- enough for us. We, he resolved in his heart not to defile himself. God's people living in a foreign land were faithful in prayer and faithful in purity. Purity of heart, of attitudes, of motives, not holding resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness. Purity in mind and thoughts. Full of integrity. The word integrity means to be as one in our private lives, in our public lives, in our home lives, in our outer lives, with believers and unbelievers living as one, living with integrity. Faithfulness in our relationships, in our marriages. Faithful to our word, to do what we say, to our customers and our clients and our patients and our neighbors. Not taking bribes. Faithful and purity. Living differently to the world around. John Wesley talked about social holiness. That our integrity and our purity should affect our neighbors. As we love them, care for them, our neighbors next door to us, our neighbors in need, our neighbors on the margins, allowing what God has done in us to impact and influence those around us, loving our enemies. That's harder. Those that don't love us, those that are not favorably disposed towards us, loving those people, faithful in our purity, in our holiness. Holiness is not a, a heavy term. It's, it's, it's a freeing thing to be as one. To allow God's holiness in us to shine through us. His light, his, the glorious light of the good news that we have been made holy. Don't have to earn it. Strive after it. We are holy. We're a holy people. They're faithful in their prayers, faithful in purity. And and thirdly, they're faithful as a presence. We often pray about the presence of the Lord, but the Lord's looking for our presence. They were just there in society. You know, in um, Daniel chapter 2, we read that the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained himself at the royal court. He was there. He was in the royal court. 
Now, my father got saved in the early 1950s. And at that time, he was a professional football player. He played for a team in Northern Ireland called Linfield, which um, you probably have never looked on, on the website for Irish league teams. But anyway, he played for Linfield. There's bound to be someone from Belfast in, in the room. There we go. And um, at that time, um, he was quite good, he tells me. And um, I never believed him until I, I went to work in Belfast some years later and I was working in a shop. And I got talking to a customer and they asked my name and I have the same name as, as my father. And when I said my name, said, there was a fantastic young player who used to play for Linfield back in the 50s. Is there any connection? So it clearly was he was a, a good player. I had to go and apologize 25 years later and say, Dad, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you, you know. But, uh. but when he got saved, he was told this, you cannot be a football player and a Christian. And so it was back in those days. You can't be in entertainment and a Christian. You can't be in business and a Christian. You can be a doctor, a teacher, a social worker, or a nurse, but you can't be any of those things. But he was Daniel, an administrator, in the royal palace of a corrupt empire. He was just there. And because he was there, he made a difference. He heard God. He changed the nation because he was there. And God calls us to be there, to be present, not to be separate as was the teaching back then. We are to be separate in our lifestyles in our purity and in our conduct, but not detach ourselves or remove ourselves from where people are, because God loves people. Joseph influenced the nation because he was there. Nehemiah influenced the return of Israel to its, to its land because he was there, a cupbearer to the king. Naaman's servant girl influenced her master because she was there. God places us to be present yes. in our communities, in our workplaces, yes. in places of influence, yes. in places of service. And because we're there, he can use us. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah says to the people at the beginning of their exile, don't listen to the prophets who speak false words to you. Now, what were the prophets saying? Well, in chapter 28, you can read what the prophets were saying. They were saying this, God is going to set you free from Nebuchadnezzar. Two years, he'll break the, the, the yoke off your neck and you'll return to the promised land. And Jeremiah says, don't listen to them because you're going to be here for a while. So settle down, build houses, plant gardens, have kids, marry them off, and pray for the prosperity of the city you've been called to, Babylon, this corrupt city. Be there. Put your roots down. Be present. You know, and I think back in those days when we had this talk around separation, there was an expectation that Jesus was coming back tomorrow. And here we are now, 50 years later, and he's still waiting. 
And somehow we can almost get into this escapism mentality of saying, we don't need to put our roots down. We don't need to be concerned for those around us because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Now, he may come back tomorrow. He may. But if he doesn't, settle down, build houses, plant gardens, get married, get your kids married, and pray for the prosperity of the city that God has called you to. Be present. You know, um, I like to go to the football. Some of you do as well, I'm sure, here, or the rugby or whatever, you know. And, but I, I, I don't, I'm not on the pitch, you know. I'm, I'm past that. I used to think, you know, my, my, um, when my kids were younger, our youngest used to love playing football. And so one of our little jokes when he was very, very young, um, at that time, Glenn Hoddle was the England manager. So that t- t- tells you how, how long ago it was. And I go, Daniel, Daniel, it's Glenn Hoddle on the phone. He, he, he wants you to go and play for England. And Dad would go, oh, really, really? Like, of course he wasn't on the phone, you know? <laughs> so we're past the stage of being on the pitch. So I sit on the terraces. Now, on the terraces, there's a few things you can do. You can complain. You can shout, protest, moan, gossip, tell the team how they should be doing it. But, this, but despite the talk of being the 12th man, we can't affect the game. Because we're not there. We're here. And for many, many years, the church has sat on the terraces, moaning, complaining, protesting, telling the team how bad they are, how bad the world is. You know what it's time to do? Get on the pitch. Get your boots on. Get on the pitch. Be present. Get hold of the ball and put the little round thing in the big square thing. That's what we're called to do. God's people in exile in a foreign land learn to sing the songs of the Lord by being present. And fourthly this. So the first six chapters of Daniel is the story of Daniel. Chapter 7 onwards are his prophecies. So as Daniel is there being faithful in prayer, faithful in integrity and purity, by being present, God was speaking to him. He was seeing things about what would be. Read it for yourself. But the essence of it is this. This kingdom that we see around us right now will not last forever. This kingdom will fall because there is a kingdom that has no end an everlasting kingdom and God will step into time and into history and change the course of events and that kingdom is the kingdom that will last forever and that's the one that I am submitting to not this kingdom that I see around me that's what he saw and so not only were they faithful on the ground but they were faithful I believe as a prophetic witness Calling God's people towards a different and better future. Seeing something. What we see around will not last forever. You know, I, uh, we went to Rome a number of years ago on holiday. And I'm there in my shorts and my flip-flops. Walking around Nero's palace ruins. 
Now, Nero was an awful man. Feeding Christians to the lions, up to all sorts of debauchery. And if I had gone to Nero 2,000 years ago, knocked on his door as a little English man with white legs, shorts and socks, no, no socks. No socks and sandals. No. That's a fashion faux pas that... Richard, Richard wears socks and sandals. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Mr. Mr. Nero, just so you know, in 2,000 years' time, I'll be walking around this palace without restraint because it's a ruin. He would have said, guards, feed him to the lions. But it happened. It happened. No political system that sets itself up against the kingdom of heaven will prevail. We live in the West. The Western capitalist system may not last forever. There's a shift taking place now. East. The power that once was over these last three, four hundred years may not be around forever. God's kingdom will. God's church will. And so we are called as God's people in this foreign land at this time to be a prophetic community. To, to speak of a kingdom that is not yet fully realized. That is not yet fully here. By our, by our lifestyles, we model an alternative future. We prophesy about an age yet to come by the things that we engage in, caring for the poor and the downtrodden and the homeless, we're saying there is no poverty in the coming kingdom. There is no homelessness. That's what we are striving for. That's where our hope lies. Jesus has turned up. The world will never be the same. With our words, speaking truth, bringing revelation, we are called as a prophetic witness to see the kingdom of heaven more manifest here on earth. How do we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land, in a foreign land? In our prayers, in our purity, by being present, by being a prophetic witness. And because the favor of the Lord is towards us, because of our faithfulness, there is fruitfulness that God calls us to. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. When I, we came to the conference uh, a couple of years ago, you're, you're a weekend away, I talked about our allotment that we have back in Southampton. And, and um, I've just been blown away by how fruitful a plot of land can be. You know, we have got more vegetables than we, than we know what to do with. So we, Caroline goes around our neighbours on a regular basis, giving it away. You plant one potato, you get 30. You plant one bean seed, you get 300. It is to my Father's glory that we bear fruit. God wants to be fruitful. And creation speaks of God's abundance. And that's how God wants us to experience him. His abundance and his fruitfulness. Pray for the prosperity of the city that God has called you to. Because if it prospers, 
you prosper as well. God wants to be fruitful. His favor is towards us. He likes us. You're lovely. He calls us to live faithful lives in the midst of challenging circumstances. By being faithful in prayer, faithful in our lifestyles and our purity and our integrity. By, by being there, by being present, by being a prophetic witness. And as we live that way, there's a fruitfulness that comes that enables the beautiful sound of heaven to rise. That pleases God and speaks to all those around us. How do we sing the song of the Lord while in a foreign land? Let me encourage you this week to ask yourself that question. How do I sing the song of the Lord this week? In a land that may not be ideal, where circumstances are not always in my favor, but I can live as a child of the King of Heaven. Father, I thank you that you place music within us. You place the ability to make a sound within each one of us. And I pray, Lord, for each one of us in this worshiping community. This week, Lord, help us to sing the songs of the Lord. Help us to sing the songs of Zion. Help us to make the sound of heaven that pleases your heart, influences those around us, changes the atmosphere, to see transformation in this communities in which we live. Help us to sing your song, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.